<laughs> Cory Booker died to bring us this terrible debate. Senator Warren confirmed in a statement yeah. that in 2018, you told her fight, that you did not fight, believe that fight, a woman could fight, win the election. Fight, 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 Why did you fight, say that? Fight. Well, as a matter of fact, I didn't say it. God, these are such retread questions. Uh, like, I feel like I've heard these answers a million, million times already. Liar. He called you a liar, Liz. Of me 30 liar! Years ago, talking about how a woman could be president of the United States. You're saying that you never told Senator Warren that a woman could not win the election. That is correct. Senator Warren, what did you think when Senator Sandru Sanders told you a woman could not win the election? I disagreed. Bernie is my friend. Oh, what a fucking bullshit question. Make her answer Bernie. that he said it. But look, this question about whether Wow, did that one get loose by the end? Yeah. Holy sh in a bucket. Have a chance. All these candidates have a chance to get back to Iowa to talk to the voters that are actually going to determine who's going to run against Donald Trump. Pelosi held the articles, and now they're not only going to miss in Iowa, they're probably going to miss a portion of uh, campaigning in New Hampshire. And that was not asked about where the people of Iowa are right here in this arena. That's bullshit. We are the only people on this stage who can say this was the worst debate in American history. In Australia, there are literally tornadoes made of fire. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Politics, Politics, Politics program. My name is Justin Robert Young. Oh, we got a very debate-heavy show here for you. Obviously, you heard in the intro some clips of my live stream last night where I watched it along with so many of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you'd like to join us next time, it's twitch.tv slash Young. We have the results of our campaign undertaker giveaway, the announcement of yet another campaign undertaker giveaway. We're also going to discuss the curious night of Andrew Yang and how he might continue to factor into this election, as well as a chat with our old pal, Andrew Heaton. But first... Let me just finish off uh, uh, some of my anger about the debate. We're, we're, we're going to talk. We're going to have more debate talk with Heaton. But let me just set this stage where I believe we are right now in this election. I was going to be very important. I was also going to be very complicated because of what's happening with impeachment. And by the way. The latest on that is that Pelosi has named her managers and now these articles are going to get transmitted before the end of the week. 
But at this stage right now, where we are right this second, you have a log jam in Iowa. You have very competitive races in New Hampshire and Nevada after that. And I'm telling you, at the end of this month, as soon as we see February, we are off and running. Everything that we have known of this race up until that point will be slow motion underwater Tai Chi. It's going to get real and it's going to get real, real fast. People are going to drop out. They're going to have a lot of pressure on them to drop out and the money is going to run out quickly. Because once we get to February, every win becomes a mandate to play in the next contest. Every win means that when you play in the next contest, you got to start thinking about the contest after that. You got to start closing offices in one place and moving that staff to another state. The financial burdens to do that become self-eliminating for these campaigns. And so if we know that, if we know that the age of idle pocket pool is about to be behind us, then you have to know that that debate last night effectively represents the end of innocence. This is the last time that you're going to be able to shape your own narrative, to make your own pitch, to throw out a new program, a new strategy, a new appeal to voters that you desperately need. And we saw some of that. We saw Amy Klobuchar wrap herself in the Iowa state flag. We saw Pete Buttigieg continue to project a polished presidential portrait of himself. But of the top three candidates, Warren, Bernie, and Biden, we saw precious little of that. They were in reruns, saying the same thing that they've said in the past. Obviously, this is something that I have been frustrated with Bernie about for a while, and Bernie supporters care not. They are, of course, true believers in St. Bernard. But for Warren, for Biden, this is unforgivable. This is ridiculous. This was a poorly performed debate. Slurring. Forgetting things. And, and let me get into the CNN of it all. These questions were alternately, except for one moment at the very end where the moderator asked Mayor Pete why black people hate him. I like that one. These were terrible questions. Awful. Awful. They were not in any way uh, uh, incisive. They, they, they were not there to draw any new information out. They were not there to challenge the candidates. They were literally just writing prompts so they could challenge the candidates to please recite your talking points. This was a recital. This was not a debate. It was a recital. And by the way, that clip in the beginning, when my co-creator for The Contender, the game of presidential debate, 
which includes real debate quotes. To make that game, John and I had to either watch, listen to, or read the transcript of every debate in history. Between John and I, we have done that for every debate in American history. Presidential debate. Not every debate, right? Presidential debates in American history. That was the worst. Because of the confluence. Badly administered, badly performed, and flat out would put to sleep Hunter Biden at the end of a 24-hour binge level of boredom. Awful. All right. That's enough of that because we're going to talk a lot with Heaton about it. But my God, was I disappointed with this debate. I was disappointed with every candidate on there. Uh, uh, the, 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 The winners were those who did not watch. And the losers were America. All right. There's one more winner. Andrew Yang. I joked before the debate. That the way that Andrew Yang could win the night was to ask his new endorser, Dave Chappelle, quite possibly the greatest living stand-up comedian, to let him live stream a set <laughs> while the debate was going on. Even just a Q&A. If they just took a Q&A together and just live stream that, Opposite the debate, it I, I I said on the live stream, I'd switch. I would I would turn off the debate. I would watch that. That would be more interesting. Because indeed, Dave Chappelle has endorsed Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang and Bernie Sanders, to me, are are running quite an arms race for cool kid endorsements. And not only does Bernie have a lot of the old school Hollywood lefties, Susan Sarandon and Tom Rupp, Tom Robbins, Tim Robbins. He's also got the Mark Ruffalos. He's got uh, uh, Maria Rajakowski. A lot of a lot of Shailene Woodley. There, there's a lot of young, pretty faces that are supporting the weathered brow of the OG Bernie Sanders. But on this other side, there is no slouch to Yang's game. No, Rivers Cuomo of Weezer, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, you might know him better as. And now, the one and only Dave Chappelle, who's apparently going to be doing benefit shows for Yang in South Carolina. So if we're going to strategically look at that announcement, we would say this is indicative of the fact that Andrew Yang believes he's going to be in this race until South Carolina. So this is not something that he believes is going to end around Iowa. He certainly had a tremendous money raise in the end of uh, 2019, Q4 of 2019. So he's got the cash to keep going. What he is now relying on is the idea that his support is not being properly recognized by the polling. The polling, the very polling that Tom Perez of the Democratic National Committee has relied on 
to police that stage. You know, I say this in the Heaton interview, but I'm going to say it now just so we can double up on my emphasis. That stage looked old. I don't think that that stage was benefited by the fact that Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew Yang weren't on it. I, I think it exposed that stage for looking ancient. Ancient. I guess this is that point in a reality show where the judges rip into the contestants and say, I am disappointed that you're not further along. That you're not making more progress. Because that's where I was left at the end of it. And meanwhile, Andrew Yang is just retweeting people hanging out with Dave Chappelle. So in my main, Yang won. Congratulations. The only way to win was to not play. Politics. Oh my God, you guys. Oh my God. Um... Thank you? I don't even know what to say. Uh, uh, it has always been my dream to talk about this stuff for a living, to go and travel uh, uh, around the country and cover politics for people that specifically get what I love about it. You guys have come through on such an amazing level. I last told you guys that we were about uh, $250 away from uh, me going to South Carolina and to New Hampshire. And I, 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 I said, hey, look, if you guys want to do it, now's the time to get in. Holy crap, did you guys respond? We are now like $150 away. It's remarkable. It's insane. Like... It's easily the largest jump we've ever had on the Patreon on TakePoliticsSeriously.com. And the vast majority of you guys have come in for the $3 level, if not the $10 level. Like, this is a level of financial support that I've never experienced from anybody that wasn't my boss. I mean, you guys are my bosses, right? But you are a diffuse boss, uh, and I am thrilled to be at your service. So... If you want to keep that hype train rolling, if you want to be a part of it, then head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com and, and kick in because if it keeps going at the, the, the trajectory, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine it's going to keep going at the, at, at the trajectory that it is now. But if it were to, I got to, I got to start looking at tickets. So there we go. TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Uh, we have some winners. Some winners for you. Nathan H., you have won the prize possession of the Iowa caucus, or so the Iowa Fair Hall. Uh, this is the Marianne Williamson pin. It looks amazing. You're going to love it. It's now yours. Jason, you won the Julian Castro yard sign. And let's see, Sean, Sean W., you won the Marianne Williamson sign. All Ian's, shoot me an email with your address on it, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. But wait!
another candidate has fallen. We talked a lot more about the legacy of Cory Booker being uh, taken out of the race, taking himself out of the race on the PX3 Extra on Monday. But that means that we have some swag to give away. And this one is kind of bittersweet. We're going to do one winner as a package. There's a handbill from Cory Booker. And then there's a hand sign of Cory Booker for president. And it has on the back a message to caucus for Cory with the date of the Iowa caucus on it. This one is pretty good. I'm really excited for somebody to get it. If you want it, you better head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com so you can write gong, G-O-N-G. I had somebody email me. Hey, I want to be in the race. They emailed me gone, G-O-N-E. No, 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 no. TakePoliticsSeriously.com, gong, G-O-N-G. That's what you need to do. And you will be in the running for the Cory Booker swag. All right, one more plug, and then we will move on to the interview. And that is my free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Let me just tell you this. Everything that I do on this podcast, on that newsletter, is here for one reason and one reason only. I'm trying to give you, and I mean you, listening to me right now, individually, the greatest gift that an internet performer can give to you. I know my listenership. It's in the thousands. Not many people comparatively. That means that most likely the vast majority of people that you talk to do not read me, do not listen to me. This provides a tremendous, tremendous opportunity for you to take my takes and pass them off as your own without attribution. My takes are freeware. Please, use them liberally. And only, only when you know that there is somebody else that, that you trust, do you let them into the secret. Do you let them know that my takes have been reappropriated from Justin Robert Young? Because we had a gem, a gem on the free political newsletter on Monday. Sunday, this Elizabeth Warren story pops about the messaging that was going out to Bernie volunteers. I write about it in the free political newsletter, and the last sentence I say is unsaid but surely coming is Elizabeth Warren remarking that it is a shame Bernie Sanders is saying such a thing about a female candidate. With... In 24 hours, we have the story of a 2018 conversation between Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, where Bernie Sanders allegedly told Elizabeth Warren 
that a woman couldn't be president. I mean, I'm giving this to you. You could have said that on Monday. You could have walked in, got your coffee, gone to that person at work that you talk about politics with, and said, did you see that Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren story? Yeah, I did. You know what she's going to do next. It's going to be a woman thing next. By lunch, you could have been right. By lunch, you could have been, that friend of yours would have come to your desk and said, you know what? Did you just see that? You're smart. You're really smart about politics. This could have been you. It could have been you if you follow Free Political Newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com. Heads up. We are now coming from a new email address. Uh, I finally set up a new email address, hopefully, to try and get us out of spam folders. So when you get this, uh, when you fight Al Doritos, the vicious algorithms of Google, Microsoft, and all the rest, hopefully they will stay in your primary folder this time. Free political newsletter at freepoliticalnewsletter.com, now powered by Justin at politicspoliticspolitics.com. We very rarely need a reason to speak to our good friend, Andrew Heaton, he of the Political Orphanage podcast, but the man watched the debate last night. We were going back and forth, so I had to give him a little ring today, see what he thought about it. Heaton, welcome back to the show, friend. Thank you. Good to be here. Happy happy 2020 to, uh, to your listeners. You, you and I have spoken, but happy 2020 to all them. Uh, good. Well, hey, look, don't talk to them in, unless you have my permission. Right? <laughs> um, we both watched the debate last night. Yeah. Uh, as did much of America, and I feel that we're all poorer for it. Convince me otherwise. <laughs> You know, I I uh, I, I do uh, your your newsletter. I, I will admit is my primary source of news on a daily basis. <laughs> I've got uh, so to to tip the deck here. Um, I've got you know those various Google folder things uh, in my email, and I've got one entire category for news that I'll jump into periodically, where I'm deluged by the fifteen other sources I have. The only news source I've not put in that folder is you. So you're the only. <laughs> The only newsletter I get that goes directly to my email. So I, I have a, a preemptive understanding of where you're at, which is that you didn't enjoy the debate at all. Uh, I, I didn't ruin my night quite the same way it did for you. Uh, I, I was kind of in just a genial mood. I, I was, I'm here in Los Angeles, and I went to uh, watch it at a bar. The only, the only bar I could find within reasonable distance of me was one that had been um, uh, commandeered by Elizabeth Warren supporters, who were okay. very nice, by the way, and let me hang out. With, I mean, I think they. All oh, this was- is this is good though, because this was the big the big moment. Uh, let's let's kind of roll it back a little bit. So, are you you are obviously a very friendly guy. Uh, are you are mm-hmm. you chatting people up uh, before the debate, or did you walk in when it was happening? I walked in when it was happening. I would it would have been interesting. I think I think they would have been perfectly fine. I think they would have been very nice. But there there was a presumption that I was uh, on on Team Warren, which I am not. Oh yeah, uh, but, yeah. Well, I'm not. Uh, I'm not <laughs> I don't imagine that they would uh, that they would uh, smell the libertarian on you, have their <laughs> eyes roll back in their head, and start screeching. But like, uh, but uh, uh, rather, what I would be curious about, and I guess maybe the energy to some of the moments in the debate would tell the story. Obviously, Warren and Bernie had been the dominant political storyline rolling mm-hmm. into the debate. There was an yeah. unfolding chapter during the debate. How did they seem to respond to it? Um, you know, the, the, 
two big Warren Sanders moments in my mind are the did Bernie say a woman can never be elected in America or some variant of that. Yeah. And then also, and I, I missed this because I'd already left because they were going to get a, a picture for their social media campaign. And so I ducked out like I was in witness protection. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but when the, when the, um, Debate was concluding, and and uh, Sanders didn't shake her hand or, or rebuffed her or something like that. So I didn't see the reaction. It was pretty subdued during the uh, um, the the Sanders Warren moment. Like they didn't seem to react. That they there was a bigger, there was more of a a as I recall, more of a response from her kind of ending statement where she talked about how um, you know this is what the Democratic Party's always been about. You know we had the first black president, all that kind of thing, and we will have the first woman, or I will be the first woman president, and that got like a, a like a rousing yeah. applause line. But I don't recall there like I think people were, and I got the vibe people were a little thrown off by the Warren Sanders moment because my guess is that most of the people in the room also really like Bernie Sanders. Yeah. So if we're going to break down this feud, I would say that the anger is really on the Bernie side and yeah, the Bernie, the Bernie followers who are true believers uh, in, in the church of St. Bernard uh, are often spoiling for a fight. They, they have, you know, regularly, we talked to Jack Allison on this show. He's a huge Bernie guy and, and kind of joked about the sort of revolving carousel of the villain of the week and, and, Beto was that for a while, and Kamala was that next, and now it's Pete. But Pete kind of gets a reprieve as Warren now becomes enemy number one. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so here, let's let's actually go back even further. What did okay. you make of those stories? Well, okay, so, so the, the kickoff for this yeah. was that um, Sanders, the Sanders campaign um, had you know, put out talking points against against Elizabeth Warren and yes. then made, made like they had no idea that they had done this and then sort of tacitly acknowledged that they had by saying, well, you know, these were poorly worded and we retracted them. I, I read that. I didn't read the talking points specifically, but the synopsis was that basically tell people that Warren is less electable than Sanders, which seems like very fair game to me. Yeah, it, I mean, it's that very mild criticism. A, a, yeah, that's not a vicious character attack. It's not like... You know, uh, there's a lot of evidence that Elizabeth Warren's dad shot JFK. Like, it's not there. Like, it wasn't her. Like, they weren't bringing up the 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 Cherokee stuff or anything like that. It was just Bernie's. Well, of course they think he's more electable than Elizabeth. <laughs> that's Warren, why they're. That's why they they're canvassing. That. Yeah. Well, uh, number one, I agree with you. I think it was very mild criticism. Uh, uh, to to refresh people who are unaware of it, effectively, the talking point said, a. Warren supporters are, and this is the thing that I think stung the most, uh, Warren supporters are more elite. They are college-educated white people. Uh-huh. Uh and that those, that group it, will vote It's really for, vicious of him actually pointing out demographics. Yeah, uh, and that that group will vote against Trump no matter what. Uh, and that Bernie, therefore, is more electable, uh, 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 bump what you heard, because he will bring in rust belt folks who have never voted for the democratic party that believe in this fundamental change. Mm -hmm. So that's his argument. Now I agree that that's mild. However, that is also like saying like, Oh, well, why would we care that the CIA assassinated a, a communist leader in some banana Republic in, in Latin America? <laughs> like the issue is that it's a cold war, right? That this is something that 
there was always going to be a conflict between Bernie and Warren because they're going for the same demographic of people. They mm-hmm. have this non-aggression pact that, at least to Warren, seemed like a violation of it. And so from there, we then saw Warren fundraising on that. And the next day, mysteriously, a story shows up in CNN about a 2018 conversation where Warren says Bernie told her that a woman could not be president. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, uh, I mean, I, I would almost certainly, I, I, I 99% think Warren specifically and intentionally leaked that uh, in order to, in order to make it a story. I, I can't and, even imagine what the other scenario would be like, what else? I mean, like, so this CNN reporter has been sitting on, the scoop of, you know, a yep. conversation that happened two <laughs> years ago. Yep. Yeah. That's, that sounds about right to me. Plus Warren could have easily, I mean, uh, even in theory, if that had happened, which, you know, I, I have no idea if it did or not, but um, Warren could have dealt with that, you know, internally, or she could have called Bernie or something like that. But she capitalized on it clearly in the debate. Um, I actually, the thing that I was more confused by was CNN's presumption that she was a hundred percent right on that. And Bernie was a hundred percent wrong on that, which, all right. Um, yeah. Let's let's. let's if, if I were a Bernie supporter, I'd be stinging. Let's get to that because this was part of the reason why I hated this debate. Is the the questions in general I thought were AI generated drivel, but that specific <laughs> moment, which again is the only kind of storyline we have rolling into this right now, the only fresh storyline that has been breaking that is rolling into this. There's two really. There's impeachment. And the fact that it's going to take half that stage off the campaign trail, presumably through Iowa and possibly through New Hampshire. And then this Bernie Warren thing. And to me, what you want to do journalistically is play out this conflict on stage. Bernie, did you say it? He says no. So you would think that the next question to Warren would be, Bernie says he doesn't say, that, they, that he didn't say it. How do you rectify from uh, your statement earlier? Do you stand by it that he did say it? Make them conflict on stage or bring it forward on some level. Instead, the question was, do you or no, what, what were your feelings when Bernie said it? Which is insane. That's like mm-hmm. so leading. Well, with a little bit of edge to it, too. It was like like the 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 uh, uh, moderator had like a little bit of a slam dunk element of like, that's right. Uh, and and I, like, again, this is not my fight, but I, but me, me being a judge's kid, I do like kind of have some presumption of, uh, of, you know, like, like proper trials and whatnot before we come to definitive uh, belief in one of two claimants. Yeah. But see, I mean, like, I, this is something I'm curious for your, your take on, uh, Justin, is I hear from all of my Bernie friends that CNN has always hated Bernie. It, yeah. It's weird to me that the, the idea, from, from, I mean, from my vantage point, I lump Bernie and, and Warren into the same category. I know that there are some differences between them and we could flush them out, but they're very, very similar to me. So it seems weird to me that there'd be some sort of CNN conspiracy to take down Bernie, but promote Warren. I, I don't know why the one would, the one would be preferable that the other would, would need to be stopped. Well, because... Th- when you talk about all upper middle class white people no, with college degrees, is that uh, it? I mean, who do you think staff CNN number one? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know exactly how much of a, you know, uh, let, let, let me put it this way. If there were a movie 
where the private school kids were uh, uh, going up against the kids from the inner city, I know which ones uh, would go on to work at CNN. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, though. I mean, in terms of bias, to me, there are kind of two phases to it. Number one, there's kind of the prison of sourcing. And in politics, which is access journalism by and large, you are going off scoops that are fed to you from politicians, gossip that are fed to you from staffers, press releases that are put out by parties. You wind up making good sources. Any reporter is as good as their sources. You feed off them, and that will always color the news that you are getting. I would imagine that Elizabeth Warren being at the very least a member of the Democratic Party has a lot more folks who are Democratic Party regulars that have been in concert with CNN for years and years and years as mm. compared to Bernie Sanders, who is not a member of the party that he is running for the nomination of. Uh, beyond that, ideologically, I think the bias usually comes in from editors as opposed to reporters. And on television that can play out a little bit more directly than it can in, let's say, a newspaper article mm. or a magazine article, because that is like, you know, an editor controls what story you were going out to do and then how it's shaped. On television, they're they're controlling, you know, or their equivalents are controlling chirons and, and booking and stuff like that. Yeah. So, well, and, and like, and I'm thinking too, like in terms of the constituent groups that, that are sort of native to both Bernie and Warren, Bernie's group views itself as the revolutionary outsiders overturning the system to introduce socialism, however they define it. Warren represents the technocracy of the, the expert class that's already there, and they're the adults in the room that should be given control of the ship. Yeah. So there are like, like, like even though from, from my vantage point, being, being a classical liberal, I'm just saying two very strong economic interventionists, they are coming from different perspectives. That, 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 so though, I, I'll say over the course of the debate, um, can, I, can I give you my macro view and then give, scale give, back? Yeah, macro, macro it up. Um, I, was, I came in liking, um, of the people on stage, Klobuchar and Mayor Pete. Um, I was not real impressed with Mayor Pete this, this debate. Hmm. I thought that he, he always comes off very polished. He always comes off very likable. But his response to every question that I saw was generally acknowledging the severity of the situation 90% of the time. And then I didn't really hear a coherent plan from him. And I'm probably not the, the target audience for these debates because I would really just like to see a spreadsheet of their policies. Yeah. That's really all <laughs> I want to know. And, and it seemed to me that a lot of the debate was just everybody to some extent emoting, which is a part of a debate. But in Mayor Pete's case, I wasn't really blown away by him. Um, I, uh, I did like Klobuchar, which makes sense because she was like hitting all of my middle American buttons. She talked about the deficit. She kept like, you know, using the term practical and things like that. So I liked her. I thought she came out ahead in, in the debate. I, I suspect that when the dust settles, her numbers are going to be better than when they went in. Um, I, I didn't think Warren ever really popped. I didn't think there was a moment that really stood she out. She had a very um, weird energy. Yeah. Uh, well, I see, I couldn't really like, I could go through and I could go, okay, I, I can figure out what all of these people are with the characters they're playing. Uh, Klobuchar is playing the pragmatist. That is yes. her thing. She is pitching herself as, look, I'm the real candidate with real solutions. That's what she's doing. Uh, Biden is, I am the, the statesman here. I have assumed the mantle of office. I know these things. Look, I've been there. I'm the person to do this. 
uh, Bernie is the ideologue. He is the true believer. He is the prophet. Warren, I couldn't quite, I couldn't figure out what she was. She, because she previously likes to bill herself as the policy wonk, but that's yeah. not really how she billed herself last night. It was this sort of kind of weird, tepid midpoint between Klobuchar and, uh, and oh, and, and then uh, Steyer, by the way, is the environmentalist billionaire. But I don't, <laughs> I think that is the most expensive vanity project in American history was you know Steyer's who, performance last night. You know who Steyer reminds me of? Like, if you had a Bond movie where, like, the villain got hit on the head with the coconut and and, and, and became the opposite. <laughs> like, like, if he was like, oh, like, at first he's like, ah, oh, Death Ray will kill the world. Bonk. Like, I'll give away all my money to save the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he keeps I, the tie. Know, uh, yeah, no, that's about right. Yeah, no, the tie bit, like, I was like, what? Like, what? Because his, his whole thing is he's running as a, a an apocalyptic climate uh, solution guy. That is his, his his whole thing is, I'm like, I, actually, I think he, if he led with, look, I, if I were Steyer, this is how I would have done it. I would have gone in with, look, I am an actual billionaire. Donald Trump is a liar. He's not a billionaire. It's why he won't release his taxes because his ego would implode and he's only worth X amount of dollars. I'm an actual successful businessman and I can defeat him where it hurts. That to me, I'd be like, huh, that, all right, that's pretty decent so far. Um, but but he but he's coming in with the environmental card. Okay, I I feel like he should have worn a green tie. It just it would have been a good signaling mechanism. Instead, he wore a tartan tie. That's something I would do. What he, I would wear a tartan he tie. He always wears a tartan tie. Apparently, really? uh, it, Olivia it, Olivia it, Olivia Nuzzi uh, uh, asked him about that, and it, she posted on Twitter. Finally, got up the nerve to ask him about the tie. He said, "Well, he wants to be colorful." And when she said, "Well, you know, you could do it in a bunch of ways with like paisley or polka dot or anything," and he apparently just wouldn't hear of it. He's like, no, that wouldn't work. You need the See, I, I, I want to find out what tartan it is to figure out if my dead ancestors fought his dead ancestors <laughs> so we can know whether we're allies or whether we need to continue the feud. So now you can understand whether or not you need to hate Tom Steyer for ancestral exactly. reasons. Exactly. This is, this is Scottish logic, or more specifically Scottish-American logic of like, oh, <laughs> uh, uh, well, you guys sacked the Campbell clan. But yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Warren's energy to me was very, very puzzling because she was intense early on where normally she's a little bit more energetic. That led up into this bizarre encounter with Bernie. But then for whatever reason, she really dialed. This is my least favorite thing about Elizabeth Warren is when she does the like mom, mom, peapod, mamas and daddies, like, and she just like does all the, the super folksy stuff, which yeah. like came off extra weird as she was like sort of spitting her answers through gritted teeth in the first 10 minutes. Uh, uh, I, I presumably in, in preparation, knowing that the punch was coming with this Bernie stuff. Uh, Cause I think she loosened up after that. Oh yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was, I that was super odd. The, the, the weird moment that I'll give her, and I like, I don't know why she doesn't do this more. So it, like in the penultimate portion of the debate, she brought up, she's from Oklahoma and she has three older brothers and two of them are Republicans. Yeah. But they get along. Okay. And I was like, great. Cause like, like that's literally the only time prior to that. I, and I, I follow her pretty regularly. The only time I've ever heard her acknowledge that someone she disagrees with might be a good person was when John McCain got brain cancer. That is the, like, prior to that, 
it's always, you know, it's somebody's a, a, a corporate shill or yeah. a, a, a Coke brother plug or, you know, like, like it's always, there's always maligned interests there. I like, I, as a middle American would love to hear about how she used to be like, if she, if she, if she were to lean into that a bit more and go, you know what? Most of my family's Republican from middle America and I understand their values. And I think that they've got a bad solution to that, but I've got a, I've got a solution that speaks to their values. I used to be a Republican. I get this. She never, ever, ever mentions that she used to be a Republican. I would love to hear her talk about why she quit being a Republican and use that as a bridge to, to bring him in. Um, I liked that moment, although it was out of character for her. Well, she's mentioned that a lot. I mean, if you follow Elizabeth Warren, she, that is something that she mentions. In fact, I, that might have been in the DNA video. Oh, really? Yeah, because okay. she, she goes and talks to her brothers about what they remember of her mom and dad talking about being Cherokee or whatever. Mm. Uh, okay, yeah. But, but yeah, you know, it's interesting that you like Klobuchar. Klobuchar definitely hammered, and this was something that I had I had predicted on on the live stream was that she was she was going to be Mrs. Iowa. In fact, she was going to run for 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 Mrs. Uh, for for Miss yeah. Iowa during the uh, during the the, the the debate itself and and talk about oh, I'm from Minnesota. Minnesota's basically Iowa. We're the same people. Uh, you know, the one thing, and and I'm curious your opinion on this. I'm down for one theatrical thematic story about a person that you met over the last few months on the campaign trail when it's like, like, well, I met a man who used to throw the football around with his son and he brought the deflated football <laughs> because they haven't been able to afford one thanks to these disastrous policies. Like, you know, I'm down for one of them. But when you uh, do like three, and she did three during the debates, that's when you start to see the, you start to pay attention to the stage lights a little bit more. You start to see the the the, the, the seams in 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 the set. Like it just feels more stage crafty to me if if you're oh yeah. if you're stacking well, and, one and on top of the other. I think Klobuchar is ultimately running for you know Secretary of Transportation or, or something like that because I think like. I, I, I like Klobuchar because I'm, I'm always, you know, I, the, the various groups I like are basically, you know, libertarians, country club moderates and pro-business Democrats. Those are those are the three groups I like. So when Amy Klobuchar um, is, is talking about deficits and, you know, like, like talks about money as if it's an actual finite resource that has to be allocated according to some kind of logical system, my ears perk up and I'm yeah. like, great, great, great. This is somebody I can work with. So I really like that. I, I, I like that about her as as a is a personality candidate, I don't think she's doing well at all. I, she comes off very stiff and not very cuddly, not very warm. Um, she definitely is rehearsed. There was this weird poker chip line she kept using. Did you see that bleeding oh into other? Oh my god! Like, like at the end, like it was like 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 she had this weird callback to the poker chips. I was like, I, I like I know what's going on here. It doesn't bother me, but it's going to bother most most people. Just in the same way that like um, you know the 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 stories are, and I I can't corroborate this. The stories are that she's mean to her staff and that kind of yes. thing. And it really it really bugs people. I, I don't really care because I I would rather have somebody that's pragmatist that understands math in the White House who's a dick than not. That said though, I don't think anybody wants to go drinking with her. Nobody wants to be in a bowling league with her. That's going to really hurt her. Yeah. I agree that she's probably running for some cabinet position, as opposed to her staff, who are running from a binder that is hurtling at them at startling <laughs> speed. You, you know who, who who did become very likable in my eyes? Um, Bernie Sanders. Uh, I, I disagree with him <clears throat> so hard on yeah. economics on so many different ways. That said, though, the, he I, I just he seems like a genuinely likable guy. 
He reminds me of so many kind of crotchety, likable avuncular types that I knew in New York uh, that, that I, I like. I'm like, oh, yeah. But the other thing, like, he seems very earnest, which I get. The thing that I think is going to help him with voters that nobody else on stage seemed to have was he is very clear, very direct, and very passionate about all of his policy provisions. Yes. It's not hard for me to figure out where he is and to know how he feels about it. Whereas, like, a lot of the, like, I, I don't know, it's just, it's direct, um, you know, healthcare is a right. It's a human right. We should have healthcare, and I'm going to pay for it, right? And then Klobuchar, who I agree with more, who's like, well, we're going to do a public option and have a market-based model, but we're going to, like, it's, that, that doesn't resonate as well. It's a bold strategy. It's a bold plan. You have questions about feasibility, but you don't have questions about authenticity. And, and yeah. that is something that, to me, I am shocked that we have not seen, you know, well, post-Trump, I think that was, as, as somebody who loves politics and elections, that to me was the lesson. Like, what was the one of these things are not like the other on that debate stage in, when we were talking about the Republican debates back in 2015 and 2016 is that Donald Trump seemed like somebody that was real. Everybody else seemed like somebody that was yeah. a slightly more fleshy version of their hopeful hall of presidents, uh, uh, automaton, right? Like they are, yeah. they, they are very practiced. They are, at their best, a skilled quarterback that is running down their checklist so they can hit the right thing. They're mechanical. Uh, Donald Trump was a live wire. Bernie Sanders is not exactly the improviser that Donald Trump is in terms of uh, you know shaking things up on stage, but certainly you understand him to believe what he is saying. You 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 certainly understand that he is is, is somebody that is real. That when you talk to him behind the scenes, he's probably going to say similar stuff. So I'm shocked that we have not seen more of that. And to be totally honest, I felt that the stage was poorer without Tulsi Gabbard and Andrew Yang for that reason. Uh, and 100%. the fact that they were young. I mean, like that stage last night for the first time. And granted, those guys have been up there this entire time. But that stage felt old, really yeah. old. Like it felt like. Uh, uh, Pete was the nurse at, 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 at the home. <laughs> like that was, it was a very old dynamic. And I don't think that really anybody had a great performance. Almost everybody was stumbling over and slurring words and stuff like that, including Klobuchar uh, uh, to the point yeah. where it made Joe Biden. Go governor Clough or something. I can't remember which governor she quoted. Well, she named like the governor. Keeb. She named the governor and then forgot the name and then named another governor. And then she had another gambling analogy about like, don't put the number on the roulette wheel when there's yeah. not a number on the <laughs> wheel to pick the wheel yeah. number. Somebody's number in these wheels, man, you better knock it off. Uh, so I, I, it, this was the reason why I hated it. I loathed it. Although I'm sure I will have already done a, monologue before this that I explained this in, in explicit detail is that I just expected more. I expected more from all of them. I, I, I expected this to be a moment where you're bringing out some new stuff. You're rolling out a, a, a proposal. You are, 
you are uh, excavating your ideas a little bit more. You are bringing a real-world example as to why this thing needs to exist right now, why it's urgent. And nobody really did that. Yeah. it. Um, I, I'll say one thing that I find interesting about these debates, and this is all of the debates, like all of them, is the, the, the questions are always geared towards uh, if you were a president and you could snap your fingers and enact your will and Congress would do whatever you want, what would you do? Which is a weird tack. Like, like most of the, the the glorious plans that they're proposing, they can't do. Like they have to go <laughs> through Congress to do. Yeah. Like with like Medicare for all and that kind of thing. It's like it's great, but you realize that like none of you can actually pass a bill once you're pre like that's not really a, a shot of the Democrats last night. That's literally the whole debate process. Like it's it's weird. Like I, I would it would actually make more sense if we wanted to hear about the president in terms of what they could do. It would be more about regulatory agencies and foreign policy. Uh, and in that capacity, I would have loved to have had Tulsi Gabbard on last night. I agree with you very much, uh, wholeheartedly. I would have loved to have had Andrew Yang and Tulsi Gabbard. I think um, Andrew Yang in particular strikes me as a very new, fresh, and different perspective on all of this from the people that were on stage. I would have loved to have heard from him. He's still, um, to, to, to tip the cards, I just moved to California. Yeah. It's an open primary here, which means I'll probably be voting in the Democratic primaries. Um, uh, and, and not, I'll say, not to screw anything up, but to try and- I think you might be too late. The, I think you might be too late. I think the registration thing was like a week ago. Oh, wait, hold on. Yo, I, when is the primary? Primary is not until Super Tuesday. Okay. But unless I, you're a registered, are you a registered Democrat in California? No. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. I'm an independent in Texas. Um, well, that, you know, the, the, Maybe. In that case, I, don't I can know. Ra rail even more. But in, in we'll any look event, into I, um, it. Uh, I'll just commit voter fraud again. If that's the case, <laughs> um, decent chance that I'd go for Yang. So I would have liked to have had him there. I also would have liked to have Tulsi there because it seems to me that Tulsi, who is a fascinating character, she is running on an, a non-intervention platform. That's her whole thing. In the same way that Tom Steyer is running on a Save the Environment platform, she's running on end Endless Wars platform, which seemed to be the general position of the Democrats last night. But but once it was done, it was done. Um, it would have been interesting to hear from her. Instantly, I, I, I tweeted out last night that I was sad that, that Tulsi and Yang were there. And I got a lot, like a lot of people contacted me to be like, Tulsi, really? Like there was a very like it, it's there's an interesting vibe there. There's there's a, a very large group of people that that uh, are uh, kind of conflating her with like the alt right nationalists things like that. And I I'm, I'm willing to look into this, but I I'm in my mind she's still basically the non-intervention candidate. Well, and she's a fairly principled Bernie supporter too. I mean, she, yeah, she, people she people quit. leave that out that she she left the DNC leadership to support Bernie Sanders. Like, like at uh, a moment where it was going to piss off at least everybody in Philadelphia believed that Hillary Clinton was going to shuffle her way to the White House. She was effectively committing career suicide within the Democratic Party by embarrassing Hillary Clinton on the eve of her coronation by mm -hmm. by resigning. Like that. That takes guts. Like that—that that is something where you you have to believe in Bernie, to 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 pull a move like that. Yeah, the the the, the Tulsi hate puzzles me, because the one thing I know for sure is if Tulsi was on that stage, she would have ripped Warren, because because yeah. Tulsi came out on Twitter before the debate and said, "Hey, look, I went to go talk to Bernie, and Bernie was extraordinarily complimentary about me, and and made no comment about a woman not being able to win the presidency." Uh, mm -hmm. so considering that Tulsi had no qualms about ripping Elizabeth or ripping Kamala Harris, I think she probably would have gone after Elizabeth Warren too. But then again, uh, this is something that, you know, Tom Perez has to wrestle with as, uh, you know, 
the 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 DNC seems very very keen on just restricting that stage as much as they can as fast as they can. Yeah, yeah, agree. Uh, real quick, do you think she's going to run third party? I don't. She says she's not. Um, Although she she voted present on impeaching Trump, which was such a weird move for any Democrat to make that I like I I don't I don't know. Just tactically, I don't know what she would be looking to get out of that unless she was gunning for like an ambassadorship within the Trump administration or um, to run third party. Uh, well, she I, I was she was against impeachment. Benefits. She was against impeachment for a while. You know, she I mean, that that was more of a, a, a her being consistent. She eventually fell in line on authorizing the impeachment investigation. But mm-hmm. I don't think that she was particularly into it to to begin with. I think that she looked at it as. You know, I think her hard line was it needed to be bipartisan, that we shouldn't be doing it if it's not going to be bipartisan. And it wasn't bipartisan. Okay. And I think that was her yeah. protest. OK, um, which, to be honest, I'm I'm with I, I, I don't like the idea that we're just going to flip flop impeaching presidents uh, based on whoever has the majority in the House like like mm-hmm. that, that. That that seems to me to be just a a cheapening of impeachment and a, a lessening of what should be like the ultimate tool like that. That would be like, oh, the, the, the dog pooped on the rug. Let's bring him to the euthanation uh, <laughs> thing. Like, now, we, we may not shoot him. We may not shoot him up. Right. But, you know, we're just going to go and like make him watch other dogs die just to show him what's going on. Can I before I lose my train of thought? Yeah. I want to I want to run a scenario to you based on last night's Democratic debate. Okay. Um, because I think you're going to completely derail this, and I want you to explain to me why <laughs> I'm wrong. All right, go. Um, I look at Bernie and Warren. Uh, Bernie is an ideologue. Yeah. I don't see Bernie if he gets the nomination trying to balance the ticket out and going. You know, I'm a socialist, therefore I need to have a centrist Democrat from Middle America. Like I don't see him thinking that way. He he's a true believer. And he, he's doubling down on the message and his beliefs rather than trying to triangulate in Clintonian, you know, big party style, right? Yeah. So if I, if I were Bernie Sanders looking for a Padawan apprentice, I would go with Elizabeth Warren. And that would make double sense to me given that he's 150 and who knows how long he'll be around. So I think there's a distinct possibility that they're going to kiss and make up. And what you're going to end up see happening is a, a Bernie Warren ticket. Not now. Uh, the, 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 it's, the, the bridge has been burned with this whole thing. I don't think it necessarily excites many people. Um, you know who I would find more likely? Tulsi. Really? Do you think Bernie would do that? I, it seems that she's become so radioactive within the Democratic Party. I don't see him taking her on, even, even though it would, it would have made sense pre her kerfuffle with Hillary. That would have made a great deal of sense because she had, I think California has some weird thing where you have to have a vice presidential candidate, even in the primaries. And she was his vice president here in in California. So she's definitely tight with him, or at least used to be. But I don't see him breaking through that um, that amount of inertia. Here's what you forget. You forget the fact that on both sides of the aisle, there is one universal truth. You are always bettered by infuriating Hillary Clinton. (laughs) <laughs> Obama made his career on infuriating Hillary Clinton, became a two-term president. Donald Trump infuriated Hillary Clinton, got elected uh, for the first time with no military or government experience. Uh, uh, this is, she's the star maker for a reason. 
uh, Tulsi probably, I mean, she certainly made at least one debate. She has extended her relevancy because of her feud with Hillary Clinton. Mm, yeah, uh, I think that certainly there are some progressives that that are are cheesed off. They don't like the fact that she goes on Tucker Carlson. They don't like the fact right. that uh, uh, she kind of goes outside the orthodoxy, but she's authentic. And and if what you want is a youthful uh, a voice that that believes in the things that Bernie believes in, then I think that's that's the case. I'm more apt to believe that. I mean, in general, unity tickets like that are rare uh specifically with the war and bernie thing so i'm always i will kind of always take the field that no matter how many times it's like oh obama should run with hillary or you know trump should have run with Cruz or blah 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 like those just things those things tend to not happen for reasons both beyond the moment and in the moment uh so i would be more apt to say that bernie will take somebody that we that is kind of off the radar than than somebody that we are intimately familiar with. I do think I think you're right that either way a young woman would work well optically. Oh, I think I um, think all of them have to take a woman, if not a woman yeah. of color. Uh, yeah. For and for, a young one would help, given the with the exception of Pete, given the the geriocracy that is going to be the uh, the presidential debate. Um, having having somebody under fifty would be terrific. And that would be, you know, uh, that's that. Now the question is, I mean, you—that's the reason why we've heard Stacey Abrams' name mentioned so many times. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, I could totally see uh, Bernie Stacey Abrams. Yeah. So uh, Stacey Abrams has kind of been floating around now that Kamala's flamed out. Uh, Kamala has been mentioned, but she, I think, would be more of one of the centrist candidates. So a, a Bernie or a Pete, uh, I think, would would make more sense if Kamala was going to take the vice presidential slot. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, if, if it's Warren, you know, I think Julian Castro getting on real fast and real big yeah, uh, is, is probably him kind of jockeying for one of those positions. Yeah, could be. Are you still are, are you still predicting a, a Warren ascendancy? I'm sorry, a Bernie ascendancy? I see no reason why not. I mean, would, would you like to try to convince me that Bernie's not going to be the nominee? Uh... I mean, I think I think you and I both share the same general provision that that Biden will eventually step on a rake. Uh, he uh, <laughs> he he he. I'll, I'll say he he performed better in the the debate tonight than he did la the last two two debates ago. I, I skipped the last debate, but the one prior to that, like I was kind of I, I like Joe Biden personally, and it made me wince several times when he was like talking about grandma phones and things, and I was like, is grandpa okay? <laughs> like it like. Like, 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 like to the point where like, like, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to be a dick, but I look at Biden and I look at Bernie. Biden's younger than Bernie. Bernie clearly is more on top of things than Biden oh my from my God. perspective. Yeah. I, I am not worried about, there's a lot of problems I have with Bernie Sanders. I'm not worried about Bernie's age. He doesn't seem to have any issue with energy or mental acuity. Biden, no, no. He seemed to get better after the heart attack. Um, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's yeah. not even a joke. I think he, he, he seemed more fresh after the heart attack. Yeah, uh, uh, Biden though, like I think it's possible there's a little bit of slippage going on there, um, and but whether or not that's happening, there's a lot of people that are no doubt thinking about that, um, and you combine that uh, that just kind of looming possibility or um, or theoretical possibility combined with his propensity to step in it, I think there's I, I don't I don't think I, I still think Biden will go down. I would be very pleased if between Biden, Warren, and Sanders, Biden won. I would much prefer that, 
but uh, I, I think he'll end up. Uh, I think I think he'll end up falling apart. Yes. And uh, for for a while, I thought that Pete was in the ascendancy, but uh, God, my God, it might be uh, Warren or Sanders versus Trump, and then and then we we go through what I call the Sophie's Choice election. I I'm um, now I'm now rooting for it. Oh, I'm God, now why? rooting for just like the stations of the cross that you're going to have to go through Jesus. Uh, for, oh, this, my God. That... for this election, because you are certainly a man of principle. You are a man who who, who cares about his policies, who understands and has very uh, uh, understandable and justifiable beliefs as to what uh, uh, the economy should do. And you certainly have plenty of room uh, for experimentation, but obviously there are certain red lines that you don't want to cross, and yet you despise Trump on a fundamental level. And and this yes, election would, would would test, you know, this this would be you, Luke Skywalker, like entering into the Dagobah <laughs> swamp and facing just uncomfortable truths about your political life. Yeah, that's true. You're right. No, good point. And it also combines really well with my uh, my my bizarre internal instincts, which are constantly to figure out how to alienate more people politically. Like I started out <laughs> as, as a Republican when I was in high school, and then I became a Democrat, but I became a blue dog Democrat. Yeah, I wasn't like just a Democrat. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah but I'm a moderate conservative Democrat. That way, the Republicans hate me, but also most of the Democrats hate me. And then I went from that to being a libertarian. So great. Now I've pissed off everybody. And then I went from then once I built up that libertarian audience was like, you know what? I kind of believe in social democracy. Let's build that social safety. <laughs> net. That way I can completely abandon all of my bona fides as a libertarian while gaining zero traction with the Democrats. So a Trump versus uh, Sanders election in which I cannot win makes the most sense in the universe in which I exist. Exactly. You're going to you're going to have to you're going to have to move to uh, Britain. I will have to go back <laughs> to Scotland where people find me charming and funny and are not bothered by my politics. I'm merely eccentric over there. I'm not an existential threat. <laughs> well, we will have to find out, of course. Andrew Eaton, uh, The Political Orphanage, uh, just killing it over there, Thanks, as man. always. You, had, you have a new episode up with uh, a couple Tim great Heidecker. comedians. Yeah, Tim Heidecker yeah, Tim, and... Uh, 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 Greg Turkington. Who, who folks might know more as Neil Hamburger. Yeah, these are uh, and, and if people don't know them, these are actual big name uh, comedians. These are comedians, comedians. These are these are if you talk to a comedian, they will absolutely know who these two people are. And uh, they came on and talked political satire with me. I was really stoked. Yeah, uh, uh, they got a new movie out. Uh, uh, go listen to the Political Orphanage. And if you haven't caught up in a little bit, do yourself a favor and just skip back a little bit to the John McAfee episode. Jesus. That one. <laughs> that was. Have you did you watch The Office? I did. Uh, like, yeah. You remember Robert California, the, yeah. the really intense dramatic boss <laughs> that would like just like steamroll everybody with his model. That's John McAfee. John John McAfee is. Uh, he is like I I picture you. You brought up Steyer and the and the Bond villain mm -hmm. uh, thing earlier. I picture John McAfee in like a film in which a Big Brother character is constantly without stopping monologuing on a giant screen that everyone in the metropolis sees at all times. <laughs> like, and I, that is John McAfee to me. It was, yeah, I had a good like 40 minute chat with him. It was a really interesting chat, but it, it was is, crazy. It is, it is an exceptional interview, mostly because John McAfee is a, a and I mean, this is the highest form of compliment, a total blowhard uh, yeah. uh, who has very profound things to say 
that is taken totally seriously by the very earnest Andrew Heaton. And he is, <laughs> he is, he himself is startled by your earnestness. And at, at, at certain points in the interview just starts laughing out loud because you're taking him seriously. And it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, everybody yeah. go ahead and check I, I, that out. Probably the moment in which I ask him to be clear, you're saying the CIA killed JFK. Like, I'm yeah, trying so hard to keep. I'm trying so desperately hard to keep the Millennium Falcon from crashing. I mean, because you can tell he's done so many of these things where either people are laughing at him or are asking him follow up questions. And all you're doing is literally just confirming. You're just like, OK, either by like not asking a follow-up and just moving on or by, or just like, so you're saying the CIA killed Kennedy. And he's like, yeah, it's like, okay. All right, cool. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Mighty Heaton on Twitter. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us. Thanks, Justin. Always a pleasure. Politics. And that about wraps it up for us today. Much more on the Friday episode about, the rules of engagement as it comes to impeachment, that's happening right now, but I, I honestly just don't have the energy. Like after this debate, this debate killed me. Well, we'll talk about impeachment on Friday. In the meantime, I'd like to thank our Titanic $10 tier. Nick, Frozen Summers, Jim, DL, Lindsay, Steven, Japan, Droid, Squids, Mixtape, Jamie, Ryan, Adam, Jonathan, D-Laser, Andy, Paul, Mike, and Brad. Man, that list gets ever longer, and I'm pumped. If you want to be a part of this dazzling crew, head on over to TakePoliticsSeriously.com. In the meanwhile, we're definitely doing a mailbag on Friday. Send me your emails, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Again, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Until next time. This is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying uh, politics has three names and some shows talk about politics. Others talk about politics. And I saw somebody after the debate talking about politics. But there is only one show, friends, that dares to discuss all Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>